He's a very intelligent basketball player. Smart. He plays within himself. We really want to run our offense through him. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Draft.com. Use the promo code LO Fantasy to get yourself a free entry into a draft with your first deposit. My name is Josh Lloyd, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We are going to recap, what day? Tuesday's games? Yes, Tuesday's games, and then we're going to preview a massive, massive 12-game Wednesday. So, let's get to it. A quick note, though. Today's podcast, I am recording it a little bit early. It is currently halftime in the Detroit and Lakers game, so... We'll see if by the time we get to that game, I can cover it because I do have to, uh, I am pressed for time today because it is my mum's birthday. So if you if you guys who are on Twitter, you want to go and give her a happy birthday shout out, you can do that on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Lloyd01. You can go wish her happy birthday there. It's her birthday today. So I've got to get the podcast done just a little bit early so we can go and uh, go and celebrate her birthday later tonight. So that is why the podcast is uh, recorded just a little bit early, halftime in that late game. Uh, so I won't do a full wrap-up of that Pistons-Lakers game, but the other three games will be done, and of course we'll get into the Big 12 game preview for Wednesday. We will start off today's show by talking about the monstrous line of the night, and in fact today's monstrous line of the night, today's waiver wire line of the night, today's young gun of the night, it's all the same person, because it's Mike James of the Phoenix Suns. Yes, Mike James, not the old Mike James who is 40 years old and used to play for the Bulls. This Mike James who used to play over in Europe, who is a current two-way contract guy. There is almost no doubt in my mind he will be converted to a full contract. The Suns just need to find an extra roster spot for that to happen, and I assume that will happen with an Eric Bledsoe deal at some point to create that roster spot. But Mike James is your monstrous waiver wire and young gun of the night. In the game against Brooklyn, James was fantastic. He had a career night, played 29 minutes and scored 24 points. Three triples, three rebounds, five assists, four steals, one block. He was 9 of 16 from the field for 56% and hit all three of his free throws. He was also a fantastic 3 of 4 from 3. He has been really, really impressive this season. He's the 80th ranked player so far in his 23 minutes per game. A lot of that's fueled by his 48% three-point shooting, which in turn has brought his field goal percentage up to 45. So you can see that he's not hitting his twos at a very high rate, but the threes are actually carrying him there. Um, 13 points, two and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal and one and a half three. The problem is with Mike James is it appears like every second game, him and Tyler Eulis are alternating strong performances. In the first game, when Bledsoe left, he played 27 minutes and scored 18 with seven assists. Really good night on 80% shooting. The next game, 22 minutes, five and four on 11% shooting. The next game, nine, three and four on 25% shooting. So he's had two really strong games fueled by good shooting, and he's gotten the extra minutes, and the numbers have come. Two games where he hasn't been as good. But overall, as you can see, 
it is translating into top 100 value. Now, I fear that there's going to be a timeshare between him and Euless consistently. If you can guess which one of them is going to have a good night on any given night, then more power to you and you can add those guys. Now, I think that yeah, adding a guy like James or even Euless is a fine situation. Do I imagine him maintaining top 100 value through the rest of the season? Not, not a chance. I just don't see that happening because I do think that some sort of point guard will come back in an Eric Bledsoe deal. Or it will continue to be a 24-minute timeshare. And I'm fairly confident that Mike James won't continue to shoot 48% from three. I just don't think that that will be happening. But weirdly, in the um, in the four games that he has started, he's been 50%, 50%, 50%, and 75% from three. That's obviously a, uh, a very, very high number there. He's had 12 three-point attempts in that time and has hit seven of them in those four games. So obviously... Uh, in those four starts, putting up tremendous three-point shooting numbers, which has bumped his field goal percentage numbers uh, up as well, especially on those two big nights. Do you add him? Sure. But I wouldn't be looking at him, again, as a long-term solution because the minutes will be split. I think that Euless will get some big games and James will get some. And then there's a chance of someone else coming in. So there is that risk. It depends on who you're going to drop. But if it's a streaming-type player that you've got, if it's the Blue Swimmer, for example, who I don't think is very good and you're well aware of that, I would be okay doing it and just seeing what you can get out of James for a week, for two weeks, and see how that all pans out for him. Because he has been impressive, but he's been impressive 50% of the time. And is that enough? Yeah, sure. But you know, wouldn't be sacrificing big parts of your team's future in order to get Mike James onto my roster. But he has looked good. Um, he's clearly not the future of this franchise, though. We are, we're obviously uh, well aware of that. Now is as good a time as any for me to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is the guys over at Draft. Draft is sponsoring the entire Locked On Podcast Network. So today is Draft Wednesdays right across the Locked On Podcast Network. If you love fantasy basketball, which of course you do, because if you didn't love fantasy basketball, why listen to this show? You need to try the newest and the best daily fantasy app, and that is Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play real-life snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you've done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. New drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, you can play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Just play in a real-life snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. There's no worries about salary caps or fitting people in or people having the same lineup as you. It's impossible with the way that draft does it because it is a snake draft like you do in your season-long leagues. Come and join up with Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when they make your, your when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code, which is LOFANTASY. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code LOFANTASY on your first deposit on draft. And when you do that, you will see a locked on league appear in the draft lobby. And you can take on other listeners from um, listeners to this podcast, other listeners across the Locked On Network and the hosts of the Locked On Podcast podcasts as well. That was a weird sentence to say. They will all be taking part in those drafts. So join in, look for the Locked On League in the lobby and use that promo code LOFANTASY to make that league appear. Um, time for the uh, Time for the dud of the night. I've been pretty vocal about my thoughts on Bud Heald 
I don't think he is very good. I don't think he has very much upside. I don't think he's going to become very good. Now, at the end of last season, he made me start to question my thought process, and he did start to look quite good in that post-All-Star break period for Sacramento. But he started this season off fairly putridly, to be honest. He hasn't looked really good in any games. In this Sacramento, another smashing, I'm going to talk about the Kings later. He only played 19 minutes. He had four points with two rebounds, no assists, didn't hit a three, was two of nine from the field and just had one steal. Buddy Heald is currently the 218th ranked player this season. He's playing under 24 minutes a game because, let's be honest, he's being outplayed by other players. Bogdan Bogdanovic, Garrett Temple, the uh, De'Aaron Fox. They're running with Fox and Hill backcourts in preference to Heald because he just isn't that good. There is no reason, in my opinion, to hold on to Buddy in 10-team leagues, and I wouldn't be doing it in 12-team leagues. If I'm in a 14-team league, I would probably hold on to Bud. But at this point, he feels like a three-point streamer only, and... At the moment, he's not even doing that. He's hitting one three a game. Now, the percentages will change. And this is something I do stress quite a bit is when you know, players are on hot streaks fueled by crazy high percentages or on cold streaks fueled by crazy low percentages, it will normalize. Now, Bud's shooting 35 from the field and 23 from three. That will clearly change. That will come back up and that will probably push him back to being a top 150 sort of guy, top 170 sort of guy. But that's not the player that I want in my 12-team league. I don't want someone who's just sneaking into the top 150. He just doesn't do enough in the other areas for me to get any level of excitement. The field goal percentage will come up, no doubt, but I don't project him to be a top 150 player this year, especially with the way they're using him with his minutes and the the rise of Fox and Bogdanovich. It is really limiting what Bud Heald can do, so I wouldn't be getting overly excited about him. If you want to drop him to add Mike James, do it. I think that's fine. You know, Using that spot as a streamer, even if James doesn't pan out or his value disappears in a week, fine. Go and add Heald back. So if someone's going to add Bud now, they're not getting much return out of it, and he could come out and light it up and knock down seven triples in their next game, which is, of course, tomorrow. But I don't feel it, and I don't really feel much for Bud as a long-term fantasy prospect or real-life NBA prospect. I've said that plenty of plenty of times, and that's uh, that's currently where we sit with uh, with Big Bad Bud Heald. Now it's time to go through the games from Tuesday. Let's have a look at uh, what action we did have over there in those games. The first game is the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers. And I know I spoke about the Kings the other day and their resting policy and how much bullshit it is, but there's more to it. Now, the Kings have been pilloried for years for their poor front office decisions, and it seemed like they were beginning to get on the right path. But I hated what they did in the offseason. I liked the draft pick of De'Aaron Fox. I didn't really like the trade down from pick 10. I would have preferred they took took Zach Collins, Donovan Mitchell, Malik Monk, all those guys were there at that spot. I would have preferred they do something like that rather than trade down and then take, I think, a low upside guy in Justin Jackson and Harry Giles at 20. But it's more the moves they made in free agency. Now, George Hill is a very good player, but what sense does he make for the Kings on $20 million a year? He is completely disinterested. His usage is low. He's just not getting involved in anything with this Kings team. I don't understand that, especially when you just drafted a point guard. You could go get any other guy to, to mentor, um, to mentor Fox rather than a guy like Hill, who should be playing on a, on a playoff bound team and, and a strong team. It just didn't make sense. But the one that made less sense, Vince Carter, well, he's not playing. That's fine. But Zach Randolph, I just don't get why he is playing. He's not good. He wasn't good last season. He was inefficient and he hogged up a lot of percentages. And now he's doing a similar thing, a lot of shots. Now he's doing a similar thing here in Sacramento, impeding, I believe, the development of Scale Labissier. Now he's going to have those random rest games and Labissier is going to get in and out. But to me, it takes Scale out of his rhythm, out of the lineup rhythm. And I know that, look, the Kings are terrible. They were horrendous in this game. They got absolutely smashed um, by the paces. They've been smashed multiple times recently. 
And is it a stealth tank? Because this this team needs to tank this year. They don't have their first round draft choice next year, but they have it this year. So they need to try and get themselves a top three, a top four pick if possible. And is Randolph's poor play contributing to that? Probably. But I don't think it's intentional. I think they brought him in to you know, make the other guys better, to make the team better, to make them competitive. And he's just not doing that. I just don't understand the moves that they made in the offseason to, uh, to bring Randolph in on a contract that large. And I think he's there for next season as well when he's going to be even worse, and they'll probably make the team worse when they don't have their draft pick. So the logic behind it is baffling to me. You want to develop your younger guys. Let them have a growing pain season. Make them get the, get the number one pick, get the number two pick. They'll get better for next year when you don't have your draft pick, and then they can take on a bigger role and start to develop even further. It was fine if you're going to bring Randolph in and play him 18 minutes a night, but not to start him and play him 26 or 27 minutes and hamper the development of your bigs like Corley Stein. And like, not that I think Corley Stein's a great prospect and Labissier, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, let's talk about the team and what happened here. Yeah, Corley Stein was horrible offensively. Just four points on one of three shooting, but brought the defensive stuff. Two steals, two blocks, seven rebounds. I think he's fine to keep holding, but he is a guy who feels like his upside is pretty capped because of the way that the Kings are going to run things and just because of his limitations as a player. I love De'Aaron Fox at the moment. 28 minutes for Foxy, 18, 4, and 5 in those 28 minutes, 50% shooting. He should be owned everywhere. Continues to outplay Georgie Hill, who had just 8 and 6 in 27 minutes. As for Randolph, 12 and 5 on 60% might look good to you. And it, I guess it's not bad. I'll give him credit. That's not a bad night. But no other numbers at all. No assists, no steals, no blocks. Didn't get to the free throw line. He is best left for 14 or 16 team leagues. My man Bogdan Bogdanovich, I would say he has got that starting small forward job wrapped up. 28 minutes for Bogdan, 7-2-2 two, two with a block and a three. That's not overly sexy numbers, but he is a 12-team league guy at all. And when I say must own versus should own, must own means you must own him on your team, and you really should make sure he's owned. Should owned means someone in your league should own him. I would say Bogdan's more a should own. He's not someone that I'd be... You know, he, he, if I added him to a strong team, he'd probably be the 13th best guy. But on a middle-of-the-pack guy, he might be the 10th best or 11th best guy. So he's a should-own rather than a must-own. But have a look who you've got. If you've got Bud Hill, make that switch. It's pretty straightforward. If you've got Zach Randolph, make that switch. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but he might not be the, the right guy for you. But just have a look at it. Vince Carter was a DMP CD in this one while Garrett Temple uh, rested. The Kings also play Wednesday, so Zach Randolph and George Hill could be ready for another another rest. Their second in two of in uh, the second rest in three games. I'm not sure that they're going to, but this is just going to be a consistent thing all season. Carter, Hill, Randolph, and Temple are going to continue to rest all season long. It's going to make guys like yeah, Fox and Labissiere uh, and Bogdanovich to a smaller degree have their value oscillate between games, and it's going to be continually frustrating for fantasy owners. On to the Indiana Pacers. Boyan Bogdanovich had one of his best games, 17-3-4. and And when you can get four assists out of Boyan Bogdanovich, which normally equals about a month's worth of assists for him, that's always a good sign. He is not a must-own 12-team. He's not even a should-own 12-team league guy. He's a streamer. And when you get nights like this, you'd be pretty happy. Demontis Sabonis, I believe he's a must-own. 12-16 and 16 with five assists. Now, that quote at the start was Nate McMillan talking about DeMontis Sabonis. 
saying they want to run their offense through him, which is a really interesting thing to say. He is going to play minutes when Miles Turner comes back. He probably won't play 30 a night, but he's going to back up Thad Young. He's going to back up Miles Turner, and you're going to have Al Jefferson out of the rotation and TJ Leaf minimize. So you're going to reckon, get, I reckon, minimum 25 out of Sabonis, and he could very well take over that role from Thad Young. So he should be owned in all leagues, and he looks fantastic. Remember when people said Victor Oladipo, and, or not Victor Oladipo, remember when people said Russell Westbrook had no one on their team and they were all terrible? Well, Sabonis and Oladipo, they, uh, they look pretty good this year. Vic had 14-4-2 with a triple one, while Thad had 15-4 and four with his customary four steals. You, can't, you don't get really many better steals components uh, or exponents sorry, out of the power forward position. Lance Stevenson had seven assists, so seven, seven rebounds and five assists with two blocks. Um, still just leave him for the deeper ones, while Daz Collison, clearly not his best game, three points in 25 minutes, two assists on 0 of 4 shooting. Just uh, just hold on, nothing, uh, nothing major to overreact to with big Daz Collison. The Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets, I spoke about uh, Mike James already. Devin Booker, have to give him credit, a massive, massive night from Booker, 32 points with five triples, seven rebounds, four assists on 50% shooting. That's two consecutive games for Booker with 50% shooting from the field. He's looked much, much better this season. He's a guy that you know people were reaching quite a bit for in drafts, but I was okay with you know, getting him in that 50 range just because of his scoring ability and if the efficiency comes with it. And then with Bledsoe already gone, he's starting to get more assists as well. He's putting up some really, really good numbers. TJ Warren looked disappointing at halftime and then came in and scored 14 fourth quarter points to end with 20 and 11 with a block on his customary 58% shooting, but he only played 25 minutes, continuing to split the minutes with Josh Jackson evenly at small forward. And that's the number that I guess concerns me. 20 and 11 is brilliant. Yeah, Warren does have some value, but if he's playing 25 a night, I'm not counting on 20 and 11, and I'm also counting on the fact that he won't play Brooklyn every single night. So Warren is a guy that in 10-team leagues, I don't really think you should own him. In 12s, I can see it, but he's on really, really thin ice, and you're not playing Brooklyn every night, so this sort of production won't be possible. Dragon Bender. Bite my shiny metal ass. 27 minutes for Bender, 10-3-3 with a block and two triples. He is a better player than Marquise Chris, but he is a worse fantasy player. So even though he has outplayed Chris comfortably the last two games, it doesn't mean that he is a guy that I want to add in 12-team leagues. He would probably need 32 minutes, and I'd need to wait till his fourth season in the NBA before he becomes a real reliable fantasy contributor. For now, he's like a 14-16 to team league guy, but I feel pretty good that he's going to be getting 25 minutes a night. As for Chris, 21 minutes, 5, 5, and 2 with a steal and a block. He started. He ran into foul trouble, as he always does. Um, it's it's pretty much getting close to drop city for him, especially in a 10-team league. I, As you know, I don't believe in his talent. I don't think that he is a very... No, actually, that's right. I am 100% sure he is not a good NBA player at this point. I'm less certain of whether he becomes one or not. He very well could be because he is young. He did start playing basketball quite late. But it's his attitude. It's his mental aptitude. It's his concentration. It's his pettiness that all bothers me significantly with Chris. And I think it is going to limit what he can do. He just appears not to know what he's doing. And that could all come because the physical skills are tantalizing. But I just do worry about him. And Bender is a better player than him, in my opinion. For now, in 12-team leagues, he is in that drop zone. It depends on who you'd be going to add as to whether he does, in fact, end up getting dropped. But he's getting close to that given the way he's been performing. Tyson Chandler had foul trouble too, 2-13, and 13, while Alex Len had 6-15 and 15 in 25 minutes. I'd prefer Len over Chandler in standard leagues pretty clearly. Well, Josh Jackson, he's not shy about shooting, that's for sure. 4 of 14 for 8-6. and six. He is a 16-team league guy, 14-team maybe. 
wasn't a good tie at Yule last night. Only 19 minutes with Mike James going off 11-2-2. Like, efficient. The scoring was okay. And as I said earlier about James, it's just a toss-up as to what's going to happen with these guys on a nightly basis. For the Nets, D'Angelo Russell played 29 minutes and scored 33 points with 6 rebounds and 4 assists. Yeah, really good stuff. Heaps of shots for him. Yeah, good to see him back after two down games coming off the knee injury. Well, Spencer Dinwiddie closed the game out next to Russell, played 22 minutes and had 15 points with 4 assists and 2 steals. Really efficient, 50% shooting. But one thing that I did mention the other day is that he got the big minutes in the game where Damari Carroll was out, where they had to push the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb. And shout out to the person who says that I give the blue swimmer nickname to three people. I don't, clearly. It's always Alan Crabb. I'm not sure who else you think the blue swimmer is, but Alan Crabb is the blue swimmer. Um, with Crabb pushing to the three, it meant there were more minutes at the two, and that's what did pan out here. But that's still a really productive not- night from Dinwiddie, and he is fine to go and add... Um, we're not in a situation where the Nets are likely going to bring someone in to take that role off him. So I think 22 to 23 minutes for Dinwiddie is fine. I just don't expect him to be as productive as this in 22 minutes a night going forward. But I do like his game and he's putting up good numbers. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson clearly is a must-own. 21 and 7, a steal and two blocks. He looks like... This is the this is the third year breakout that we talk about. He looks solid. He's not losing that job. The minutes are pushing up. Has to be owned everywhere. While Damari Carroll came back from his one game absence and had thirteen and five with four steals and a block, also has to be owned. If he didn't have his um percentage issues in this game, he would have been yeah, right up there in consideration for the waiver wire line of the night. Or actually, no, because he's seventy one percent owned. Uh, up there for the uh, for the monstrous line of the night, perhaps really well rounded performance. Karis Levert, the minutes are still there. The the shooting is a worry. Eleven two and three in twenty eight minutes. I would prefer him over Alan Crabb, but I would prefer Rondé over Levert and Carroll over Levert. He still has some 12-team value. The minutes are fine. The shots will start to come around, but I can understand if you want to drop him. His upside isn't all that high, where you have to just hang on to him in all scenarios. Jarrett Allen was out of this one, so Tyler Zeller got some playing time, 4-4 four and four in 17 minutes for Zeller. Well, Trevor Booker, if you're still owning him in 12-team leagues, yeah, that, that's done after that first uh, breakout performance. The Thunder and the Bucks. The Thunder smacked the Bucks. So the minutes were all sort of all over the place. And by all over the place, I mean they were really, really down. Stephen Adams, just 18 minutes, but another big night from him. Paulie George had 20. Mallow had 17 and 8 with a triple one, while Westbrook had 12, 10, and 9. But none of those players got to 30 minutes. In fact, the only player to get over 30 was Alex Abrines, who hit a couple of threes. While Jeremy Grant played 29. He had 17, 4, and 2 with two steals. He's providing some sneaky value. He's playing the role that we thought Patrick Patterson would play this season. And he's getting... 25 minutes a night, almost every night at the moment. And that has 14-team league appeal, um, yeah, marginal 12-team streaming appeal. But just keep an eye on what he can do, because he can be that guy that gets you some defensive numbers, and that clearly can be useful. Uh, Josh Hustis had his rookie option decline today, as did Jaleel Okafor, and as did Mario Hazonia. So some real weird stuff going on, as did Bryce Johnson, actually. Uh, shout out to Mike Wilbon. Um, with with those guys all having their rookie op- option decline. Now, Jaleel Okafor is seeking a buyout from the Sixers, so that's an interesting one to uh, keep an eye on. Maybe if you've got a spot in a 14-team league, I might grab Okafor and just wait it out for the next week or two and see what happens because there's some value there if he goes to the right situation. But that is a, that is an interesting situation that they declined all those rookie options. Not much really to talk about with the Thunder here. This was a massive smacking. On the Buck side, there's not much to talk about here either. Yana scored 28 with eight boards and three assists, but no other player scored in double digits. 
Chris Middleton struggled 9-7, and seven, threw a ball at Stephen Adams, so that was awesome. While Brogo only played 20 minutes, 4 points with 4 assists. Not his best night, but really hard to read too much into all the minutes in this one. Um, John Henson... Uh, played played uh, the backup role there with um, the the other guy who I cannot remember. Oh, Greg Munro. With Greg Munro out, Henson put up uh, okay numbers, getting three blocks there, while McCurr started and scored eight points. But Henson's the guy you want for 12-10 legs. Even though he only scored one point, he did have three blocks in this one. So you can forgive him there. He is going to have some decent value for the next two weeks, at least. Not much else to really comment on with the Bucks because, again, it was a massive blowout. And we had the minutes sort of uh, sort of all over the place, sort of scattered because of the way that the uh, that the game went down. All right, that uh, again, I don't think that Lakers game is finished. Let's go and just check it out to make sure that it isn't uh, it isn't finished while I'm talking here in this in this pod. Where are we up to? Um, where are we? No, they are midway through the third quarter. So at the moment, the Lakers are actually got a big lead over the Pistons. The Pistons are coming to the end of that uh, that. Um, what do we call it? Road trip. That's the word. Um, and look, if anything major happens from that, I will cover it in tomorrow's show. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk some DFS action for Wednesday's 12 game slate. DFS action for Wednesday. As I said already, there are twelve games on, so there's a lot to uh, there's a lot for us to cover. No uh, no perfect DFS lineup for today because again the games are still going. We'll go straight into the first game of the night, which is the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are favored by eight and a half, and the total is two hundred and ten points here. A few uh, interesting situations we need to pay attention to. The Hawks have three guys who are probable. Ursan Ilyasova is already ruled out. But Dennis Schroeder, Mike Muscala, and Marco Bellinelli are all probable, so we're all assuming they're going to play. But the biggest one, I think, is in Philadelphia with J.J. Redick questionable. If Redick is out, it really does bump up Dario Saric's ability to be a DFS option. He played 31 minutes in the last game, and it increases the safety of TJ McConnell. I think McConnell's a fairly safe play anyway, but with uh, Redick out, he gets more minutes there, and Bayless gets some more playing time as well and becomes more of a tournament option. So that is the one we, we, we do really need to pay some attention to for DFS. But again, it is the last, or sorry, the opposite of the last. It is the first game of the night. So we'll know before lineup locks. At point guard, McConnell is at 5,000 over on Fangio. He's averaging 34 across the last three. He had 29 in 26 minutes against the Rockets. At 5,000, he is totally fine to even you know, one of your first guys you lock in. Here's my $5,000 guy, and then I can go and get... Uh, I can go and have Giannis. I can go and have Towns. I can go and have Tone Davis. I can get some other high-priced guys because I've got TJ locked in. 
As for Bayless at 4,300, that's more of a tournament uh, situation here. But it's against the Hawks. It's a very, very good matchup for both these point guards. I could totally see, if you wanted to go with a weird tournament lineup, putting both these guys in and, and seeing if they both go off. It's probably not the greatest idea, but it is an option um, given the opposition. As for Schroeder, 8,100. I feel okay about Schroeder in cash. Not so sure about his tournament upside, though. Isaiah Taylor, Malcolm Delaney, nah. Shooting guard Redick at 4,900, always a GPP guy if he happens to play well. Marco Bellinelli at 4,400. I feel I feel okay about him in cash. I reckon he's going to get 22 points almost no matter what with 25 to 30 point upside. And I think that's a, a pretty good situation. So a little bit of tournament upside there as well. Kenty Bazemore has been playing quite well, getting uh, 30 points per game over the last three. He is at 5,800, so it puts him probably just a little bit too highly priced. And with Bob Cub lurking there on the wing, it does lead to some defensive issues. So I might fade Bazemore in this case. If he was at, say, 5,200, I'd be all over it. 58's probably just a little bit too high. Speaking of Bob Cub, he's at 6,400. I love the ability here against the Hawks for him to go off. I'm not sure that he is a cash guy. But I love his upside in a tournament, 40-point upside, clearly. While on the other side, Torian Prince is at 5,500. I feel pretty good about Prince, even though Covington can, can be on him. I feel good about Prince being able to get 25 to 27 points in this one, which is uh, which is enough. Justin Anderson at uh, 3,100 It's not really doing too much for me. Um, at power forward, we've got Johnny Collins, the Baptist, 5,300 for Collins. He had 25 in the last game. He's got a level of value there. It is a, it is a decent matchup for the, for the Baptist as well. I wouldn't feel totally confident about locking him in in cash, but it's definitely not a horrible spot. He's more of a GPP guy. Well, Sharich at 38, love that. If Redick is out, he dropped 22 in 31 minutes and at 3,800, that is a significant level of value. Benny Simmons is at 9,200. That's getting up there, but at this point, I just think that Simmons is going to get 40 every night. It's just the way it feels, and I don't see the Hawks being able to stop him. I feel like 40 is almost the floor for Simmons with 50-point upside. Really like him for cash as a strong power forward option, and he's just he looks awesome. And at this point, it's going to take a, a miracle for him not to be named an all-star, it feels like. Amir Johnson at 3,400. Strong game from him in the last one. I wouldn't feel too great about that happening again. At center, Mike Muscala, 42. He's going to start at power forward with Ersan Ilyasova out. His salary has jumped by $700. So that takes away a little bit of the excitement, but the matchup is a good one for him. So I'd be okay with looking at him. While the, the process, Joel Embiid, 8,200. I think that's really strong for cash. There's tournament upside there. No problem. The Undertaker at 5,100. That's Dwayne Dedman. Um, I think I will. Uh, I think I will fade that one. Let's have a look at how it all looks over on uh, over on DraftKings as well for this game. Uh, I like Muscala a lot here. Jared Bayless similar. Dennis Schroeder really strong at seven thousand. Love that a lot. The Baptist and Bob Cove strong GPP options too. The Undertaker has a little bit more value over on DraftKings at forty five hundred. McConnell and Embiid both strong options for cash and Ben Simmons at eighty eight hundred also a cash play. Um, well, Marco Bellinelli at 42. I feel that that's good for cash. I feel like that's good for tournaments as well. Torian Prince and Kent Bazemore, I'm not quite as high. Well, Sharich at 4,500, even if Redick is out, I think that takes away a, a degree of his upside, um, given how much cheaper he was over on Fangio. Um, let's move on now to the next game. 
We're going to be looking at the Indiana Pacers who are coming off that uh, big win today over the Sacramento Kings. They're taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are favored by 11 and the total is 218.5 points. Miles Turner will not play in this one. We know Sabonis was dealing with that infection, but he was fine. So he'll be ready to go uh, in this one here. Let's talk about the point guards. Derek Rose was uh, considered questionable or probable for this game, but he's going to play. He's a $5,000 player on Fangio. It's a high-paced game. I feel pretty good about Derek Rose at 5000 I think that him getting you know, 25 points is not a crazy situation. I think he's probably lean a little bit more tournament, but I think there is some cash value there. Now, I'd comfortably take TJ McConnell over him at a similar price, but Rose is an option there. Daz Collison at 6500 struggled a bit or struggled a lot today. He's had some big games. I don't love him at that price, while Corey Joseph at 3800 I'm not really feeling much uh, with him either. At shooting guard, Dwayne Wade, 4,700. Wade hasn't been good, but he's averaging 24 over the last three. His consistency hasn't been fantastic. I think he's more of a tournament guy, but not feeling strong there. Well, J.R. Smith at 3,600. I like Smith at 3,600. That's really, really cheap. He is starting. He dropped 22 in the last game. Um, I think there's something there. Vic Oladipo, 7,900. <clears throat> I like that for cash. I think him getting 38 is a pretty realistic expectation. Kyle Korver has been hitting a lot of threes. He's at 3,800. He's averaging 21 over the last three games, but I can only really rely upon him in cash. Sorry, in tournaments. But with Iman Shumpert out, his minutes do feel a little bit more secure. LeBronald, 10,400. LeBron um Yeah, it's a big drop in salary for LeBron. Getting a 50 here, he's always feasted on the paces, and that's when Paul George was there. You know, I think... He's really got 60-point upside here, so I like LeBron a lot for tournaments and for cash situations. Boyan had a 30-pointer today. He's at 4,100. Really unexpected for him to do that two games in a row, but he's always a tournament option because he can go out and have 6 or 7x value. We've seen that plenty of times from him. Jeff Green at 4,000. My name is Jeff. Mainly just wanted to play that noise. I don't think we'll be using him. Thad Young at 5,800. Another strong one from Thad today, 32, uh, 32 points. I think he's strong for cash. I think he's got some tournament upside. Yeah, I like Thad there, especially with uh, with Miles Turner out, TJ Leaf, and Jay Crowder. Well, I won't be using Jay Crowder, that's for sure. At center, Tristan Thompson at 3,500. Uh, it's a no from me. Sabonis, 6,000. Just constantly racking up 30-point nights. Love it. Yep, fine. Go in. Lock him in. Cash. Let's get that 30 from DeMontis. While Kevin Love at 7,700. Probably just feels a little bit too high for Lovey. He continually feels like he's getting limited. His usage isn't as high as it needs to be. I could consider it in tournaments because he can go off and score 40 and a quarter. Um, Maybe an exaggeration, but he he can go off and and put up some big numbers at 7,700. I don't love it for cash. Al Jefferson... At 4,400, I think that's strong for cash. And that sounds dumb because I don't like Al Jefferson, but yeah, 29 today, he's averaging 22 over the last five. And at 4,400, I think his floor is fine to use in cash if you're looking for a cheap center, which you might not be because there are some really good high price centers on the board. But he could be that option if you're going more expensive in some of the other positions with your Jim Hardens, with your uh, with your Giannis at the Decompos. On DraftKings, Corey Joseph at 3,300 has more appeal, but I don't love it. I like Thad a lot at 53. Al at 36. Al Jefferson, really strong there. Kevin Love at 75. It's a little bit better for him on DraftKings with the scoring, so I can actually use him, I think, on DraftKings. So bonus at 57 is good. Bogdanovich is a GPP along with Collison is fine. And Derek Rose at 4,900, yeah, not bad. LeBronald at 10-4, also strong. I don't like the 78 for Vic Oladipo or 51 for Dwayne Wade over on DraftKings. Um, they're guys I'd probably fade over on that site. 
Let's go to the next game now. We're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns, who again coming off the uh, uh, back-to-back there, going to Washington to take on the Wizards. The Wizards are favored by 13.5, and the total is 225.5 points. We don't know if... um, Actually, no, that's the wrong game. I was looking at another injury report. I think we're all good for injuries. Markeith Morris most likely... Well, no, he, he won't play. I can guarantee you Mark if Morris won't play. He might be active, but then he'll be suspended because he's got a one-game suspension. So he won't play. We're looking at a, a targeted return of Mark Heath, who will move straight back into the starting lineup, by the way. Um, he'll be returning most likely Friday, it appears. Let's take a look at the point guards. Johnny Wall at 9,700. He has annihilated the Suns in the past. It is a brilliant, brilliant matchup. The problem you have to say here is, what if it's a huge blowout like what they did to the Kings the other day? I still feel pretty good about John being able to get close to that 50-point mark at 9,700. For Mike James at 4,500 and Tyler Eulis at 4,700, I would take James there because it's cheaper. He obviously dropped 46 today, which was fantastic. I think he is a strong cash play at that salary. Eulis is more of a tournamenty type of guy at 4,700. Um, Timmy Frazier, no way. Uh, Brattles Beal, 7,200. Has been a little bit down lately, but this is the matchup where you're going to get back into it. I think this is really not nice for him for cash, and he's got tournament upside as well. Well, Devin Booker at 72. Yeah, massive game for him against the, the Nets today. 72 is a pretty decent price. Now, I think more people will be on Booker than Beal, so I'd lean Beal a little bit more in tournaments, but I could see using Booker in a, in a cash game and getting him your 35 points and feeling pretty good about that. At small forward, Kelly Oubre at 5,100. He is quite up and down to me. He's more of a tournament type guy. Well, TJ Warren, really big numbers for Warren at 5,100. I don't, I don't trust it though. 5,100 is not a high price and he is averaging 26 over the past five games in only 25 minutes. And at 5,100, you say, well, that screams cash. But to me, he's just inconsistent and a tournament guy with a low-ish type upside with the minutes. Joshy Jackson, no thanks. At power for Dragon Bender is really cheap. He's at 3,400. He had 21 today. Yep, fine. I think he'd get the 25 to 28 minutes again and have that ability to put up 20 points. I think he's totally fine and I'd even consider him in cash. Otto Porter at 73. He's listed as a power forward now. Um, You'd say it's too high, but in a game against the Suns, he's got that ability to get there. But does he... Can he go higher? Yeah, he can. So he's more of a tournament sort of a player. Marquise Chris, strictly tournaments at 4,700. I really don't like that at all, though. While Mike Scott and Jason's former son, Mike Scott, and Jason Smith are the other power forwards that don't really bear me talking about. At center, Alex Lennon at 43. I like him as a tournament guy. Tyson Chandler, Marcin Gortat, and Jan Mihinmi are the other centers. None of those guys really stand out. Maybe if you really believe in revenge game narratives, you could look at Gortat. But he's 6000 bucks, so you're going to need 30-plus from Gortat, and I just don't see that coming uh, from him in, in this uh, in this situation. Let's have a look over on DraftKings, how this game looks, what's different. Tyson Chandler is much cheaper at 4100 but I think the upside's pretty limited. I like Johnny Wall. I like Brattles Beal. I like Bender. Eulis uh, at 3900 is a strong tournament play, much, much cheaper on Fangio, while the Polish Hammer marching Gortat at 59 is a little bit of a better play, but still one that I'd probably fade. Mike James at 4700 considerably higher price than what Eulis is. I think a lot of people will be getting back on James in this one, and with John Wall guarding him at that elevated price, I think he's a DraftKings fade, while Ubre is, again, just a tournament sort of guy. TJ Warren, the similar thing. Uh, Devin Booker a little bit too high, I believe, at 7800 over on DraftKings. All right, let's take a look at the uh, at the next game, which is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets are favored by three and a half, and the total 
is 203 points here. The Bucks obviously coming off that smacking at the hands of the Thunder today. So um, they'll be looking to, to exact a level of revenge. At point guard, we've got Brogdon at 6,200. Wasn't the best game from Brogo today. This is a really nice matchup for him, so I'm back on board with using Brogo. Kemba Walker's at 8,400. That's pretty highly priced for Kemba. I like what he's been able to do, but that feels just a little bit too high, especially against a Bucks team who is quite good defensively. Matt Dallavadova, yeah, that's a no. At shooting guard, Tone Snell, 3,500. A bit, bit of a better game from Snell today, but always just a tournament-type guy. Same as Malik Monk, who actually did have 24 points in his last outing. He's at 3,800, but I don't feel strongly about him. Chrissy Middleton's at 73. The matchup is not bad for Middleton. He was poor against the Thunder. He'll be looking to bounce back, but I'd only look at him as more of a tournament guy. Well, Jeremy Lamb at 66. That's too high for Lamb. I love what he's doing, but 6,600 is too high. I just don't feel confidence in him getting 33 every single night. Now, in saying that, he's averaged 33 over the last three games, but just 28 in his last one. The the matchup with Tone Snell and with Giannis and with Middleton defensively, that could really bother him. I think that's a little bit too high for Lammy. The Baconator, 3,100. Yeah, not really feeling that for Dwayne Bacon. At small forward, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, 4,500. Well, it helps that he's never missing a shot ever again, apparently. I think he does have some value here. Um... I just fear that maybe him defensively on Giannis might limit his offensive ability, but I think there is some value in Kit Gilchrist. Hopefully, his minutes are back to 30 as well. Yanni's at 12-6. I think in cash, he is fine, but if you're going to fade him, it's a 12-game slate to fade him, and that'd be the time. At that sort of price, he's definitely fade-worthy. Power forwards, John Henson, 4,800. Stinker today. He'd be looking to bounce back in a in a pretty good matchup for him, so I'm, I'm okay going with uh, with John again. Frank the Tank at 5,300. Didn't like the minutes distribution with Cody Zeller back, so he's a, he's a fade there. At center, Dwight's at 7,400. Terrible in the last game, just 11 points, but I don't think McCurr or Henson are really going to bother Howard too much, so I'm back in on Dwight at 7,400. As for Thon at 3,700, more of a GPP guy, if anything. Cody Zeller, big game last one, but I, I just don't trust the production in limited minutes to use him. On DraftKings, we've got Kid Gilchrist at 4,000. I like that. Brogdon, Henson, and Walker are all strong plays on DraftKings as well. I like Yanni at 12,000. Dwight at 75. Marvin Williams has been decently strong recently, and he is sub 4,000. So that does give him an extra level of value, but probably more of a tournament-type guy, while McCurr and Monk, two guys who I'd look at as being just tournament-type players. Let's move on to the next one. We have, uh, who have we got? We've got the Sacramento Kings. They are taking on the Boston Celtics. The Kings on their second half of a back-to-back. The Celtics favored by 12.5. So lots of blower potential in these games. A really low-paced 198 total as well. We don't know if Randolph or Hill will play at this point. Obviously, if Hill is out, Darren Fox gets a boost. If Randolph is out, LeBissier gets a boost. We assume Garrett Temple will be back in this one as well, which should cut some of Justin Jackson's minutes out. At point guard, Irving, 8,400, has been really putting up some good numbers lately, but the blower potential does leave him with a bit of risk, more of a tournament type of guy. Well, Georgia Hill at 44, I'd look at as a tournament if he plays. Well, De'Aaron Fox at 53, I feel strong about Hawks, uh, Hawks. I feel strong about Fox as a cash guy and as a tournament player. Shooting guard, Bogdan's at 4,500. Um, it wasn't quite there where he needed to be today, just 15 points. I think he does have some value in cash, but he's not a strong must-play guy. Marcus Smart at 63 is too high. 
Temple, Rosier, Bud, Malachi. I don't think any of those guys are supreme GPP guys or cash guys for that matter. At small forward, Jalen Brown's at 53. I feel pretty good about Jalen at 53. Not a high price. I think he's got some significant value there, although his numbers have dropped off, averaging just 20 points over the last three games after that red-hot start. At power forward, we've got Zach Randolph at 4,500. I don't expect Randolph to play in this one. So Labissiere at 4,900 becomes more appealing, and he becomes, I think, a, a strong cash guy. Jason Tatum at 58. Probably just a bit too high for Tatum. This is an opportunity, though, in a in a really good matchup. So if there's any time I'm going to use Tatum at 5,800, it's probably going to be against the Kings. At center, Willie Cauley-Stein at 5,300. More of a tournament guy. Well, Al Horford at 7,000. Love that price. Love what Al's doing. Um, great matchup for him. I'm in on Al Horford as a cash and a tournament guy. Bainsey at 3,700. The minutes are there. I think that's fine for cash. And much like I spoke about with Al Jefferson, if you want to go cheap at center, Baines at 3,700 is a significantly valuable player. Let's move ahead now and look at DraftKings for that game. Marcus Smart, huge, huge value difference with him on DraftKings versus Fangio. He's at 5,600 over on uh, DraftKings, and he does have some value. I like Scal, uh, like Bogdan a little bit, but overall there's not much, not as much value on DraftKings in this game as there is on Fangio. Al Horford is too highly priced. Kyrie at 85 is too highly priced with the blowout risk. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both too highly priced, while De'Aaron Fox at 57. If we hear that George Hill is out, I'd be more in at Fox at that price. Um, Otherwise, I'd just consider him a GPP type of a player. Let's move on to the next one. We have got the... Chicago Bulls, yes, and the Miami Heat. No uh, no line is currently out for this one because we don't know the status of Hassan Whiteside. Goran Dragic, the iron shoulder, is also listed as probable with an illness, while Chrissy Dunn is probable with his sore finger that caused him to miss the start of the season. At point guard, we, we don't exactly know what's going to happen with the Bulls' point guard rotation. We know that Jaron Grant is going to start, but how many minutes is he going to play? I don't know. He's at 6,000, and regardless, there is no way you want any piece of Jaron Grant at 6,000. The iron shoulder at 6,900, Goran Dragic, good matchup for him against the Bulls. I think that's fine for cash and for tournaments, while Tyler Johnson at 4,300, I don't really see the appeal there. At shooting guard, Justin Holiday at 6,200, just cannot shoot at the moment. Tough matchup, tournament only with him. Chrissy Dunn at 4,700. Had a nice 25-point outing in his first one. I think he's got some GPP upside there done. And Dion Waiters was sparkling in his last game, but he's also at 6,300. So if I'm going to use him, it's going to be a tournament-only setting. And even then, I don't feel great about it. At small forward, Joshy Richardson at 5,300 has not been living up to that price tag. He is just a GPP guy. The matchup's good. Wing players go off against the Bulls all the time. So I think this is a good opportunity to use uh, Richo. Denzel Valentine at 45. The numbers have been pretty good for Denzel. Played more minutes than Paulie Zipser in the last one. I wouldn't feel strongly about putting him into a lineup, though. Same with Justice Winslow or Zipser, in fact. At power forward, Lowry Markinen, 6,600. Probably a little bit too highly priced. Lowry's been good, but that salary is just too high for me. I don't feel great about using him. Well, Jimmy Johnson at 6,400. Also too high. If Whiteside is out, I might reconsider it with Jim, but at 6,400, it just is a little bit too high. Same with Kali Olenek at 5,700. Although if Whiteside is out, Olenek becomes close to a must play. It or not must play, but definitely comes into my cash game consideration. At center, Bob Lopez, 6,100. Yeah, no, against Whiteside, I'd hate that. At 6,100, I just don't see much upside or much 
in terms of a safe floor. As for Hassan, 9,200. I would love it otherwise, but coming back from a knee injury, if he in fact does play, doesn't leave me with a massive level of confidence. Um, over on uh, over on DraftKings for this game, um, Lowry at 6,100, a little bit more value given the three-point bonus. I think he has some value there. Whiteside's at 7,900, so you might want to throw that into a tournament, a significant price discrepancy. And Dion Waiters at 58 is also a GPP guy. Dragic, Holiday, Josh Richardson, more tournament guys, although Dragic is, is an okay cash play. And uh, Jim Johnson's at 61 and Cali Olenek at 5,600. Those guys come into consideration if Whiteside does happen to miss his you know, fifth or sixth consecutive game, whatever, whatever the case may be. The next game is the Houston Rockets. They're taking on the all-conquering New York Knicks. The Rockets are favored by five points in this one. The total is 212. Like we know that Chris Paul is out. Jarrett Jack is likely to start again at point guard. His salary has gone up by $1,000 on Fangio. He's now at 5200 but I still think he's worth looking at. He's getting a lot of minutes. He's getting a lot of assists. I think at 5200 he's totally fine to use in cash and in tournaments. Um, Frankie Nilakina, 3700 yeah, One of these games, he's going to play more minutes than Jarrett Jack. I don't think it's going to be this one, so I'd probably leave leave him out. At shooting guard, Timmy Hardaway at 5,200. Another strong game from him in the last one with 29 points. The salary has bumped up. I'd look at him more as a tournament guy. Well, Jim Harden at 11,000. He has killed the Knicks repeatedly. I think a 60-pointer is definitely on the way. No, I definitely think that a 60-pointer could be on the way for Jim Harden. So at $11,000, I think he is a fine investment. Probably a better investment than the 12-6 you have to spend over on Yanni. Eric Gordon at 6,400. That's just too high for your expected return. While Courtney Lee at 47 has been putting up some pretty decent numbers. If you want to go way back, is this a revenge game for Courtney Lee? I don't think so. Um, small forwards. Trev Ariza, 5,000. I'll pass on that. PJ Tucker at 43. I will also pass. Um, Dougie McDirt at 3,300. McDirt had 18 points in that game against the Nuggets. At 3,300, you could do worse than including him in your tournament pool of players. At power forward, Ryan Anderson at 5,200. I think he's going to get real roasted in this game. That's a that's a legitimate concern, but he's playing lots of minutes. But always, Ryan Anderson is a tournament-only guy. Porzingis. Porzingis. Sorry, Steve. Uh, 9,700 for Porzingis, averaging 53 over the last three games. Really, really crushing it. He's had some big games against Houston in the past and some poor ones. He's been quite up and down. I look at him at that price more of a tournament guy because he can easily go for 55. We've seen that from him um, over these past couple of days. But is his floor 50 points? I'm not quite sure it's there yet. Beasley, Marmute, no interest. At center, Ennis Cantor, 5,800. He might not play at all in this game. He could get roasted by Houston or he could play big minutes. I am not strong on him for cash, but in a tournament setting, he is okay. Clint Capella, 7,600. I think this is a real big opportunity for Capella to go for 30-plus. So I like him, but that salary, man, it, it's just too high. I just can't see getting value at 7,600. Kylie Quinn was a monster in the last game. Throw uh, throw Cock out into one of your tournaments at 4,600. He had 43 in the last game. Bill Hernan Gomez, I don't think, will be paying a large amount of attention to Bill just at this point. Over on DraftKings, Jarrett Jack at 4,700, love it. PJ Tucker has a bit more value at 3,900, while Jim Harden at 11, still a strong play. Trevor Ariza at 49, I don't really see the appeal, but I love Clinker Paller at 68, much cheaper price and a real big opportunity. Timmy Hardaway, GPP, Ryan Anderson, the same, while Paul Zingas at 8,900, I think that's really a cash play. 
Oh, it's a tournament play as well, but I really do like Porzingis for cash at 8,900 over on DraftKings. All right, let's move on to the um, to the next game. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pels are favored by one and a half, and the total is a very, very big 224 points. Um, Injury-wise, we know that Rajon Rondo is out, and that's really all we need to pay attention to because everything else is, uh, is steady uh, as it has been for these teams for a while. At point guard, Jameer Nelson, 4,200. I thought Jameer was set for 30 minutes, and then the last two, he's been like a 24 and 21. The numbers have dropped off. 4,200 against the Wolves. I don't really love it for Jameer. Maybe a tournament play, but that's about it. Drew Holiday's been playing well, averaging 37.5 in his last three. He's at 7,400. A really nice matchup um, for him against Andrew Wiggins, who's not the best of defenders. 7,400 for Drew. I think he's, he's fine for cash. I think it's okay for tournaments as well. Jeff Teague at 7,100. My name is Jeff. Um, he's been putting up huge numbers, 59.5 in that last game, averaging 36 across the last five. I think Teague is a reasonably safe point guard to use. Ian Clark, Tyus Jones, no thanks. At shooting guard, Wigo's at 6,300. Some okay numbers, averaging 31 over the last five, but he's quite up and down with what he can do. I think there is upside here. So he's a tournament guy, and I think you could use him in cash, but with 12 games on, there's probably other guys I prefer, like Etwan Moore at 4,300, who's been consistently getting you over 20 points, and I think that's okay at that sort of a salary to get some of those other big names in. Jim Butler, small forwards, 7,900 for Jim, has had a history of really tearing the Pelicans apart, has not really been happening in Minnesota for him, a tournament guy only, but with some significant upside, Dante Cunningham, Nemanja Bielitsa, Tone Allen, and Shabazz, Muhammad, sorry, Baz. Um, I don't think any of them are worth looking at. Taj Gibson at 4,300, not against Boogie and uh, Davis. While um, as for Davis, 11,800. Carl Anthony Towns' defense is atrocious at the moment. There's a real chance for 50, 60 plus here for Tone Davis. He is killing it. He had 61 in the last game. His last three games against the Wolves have yielded an average of 57 points in 37 minutes. I really, really like using him. Gorgie Jeng at 3,000. That's too high. Diallo, Josh Smith, no. At center, Carl Anthony Towns, 9,800. Not against Boogie. Sorry, man. Foul trouble is going to be a problem. You're going to have Boogie and Davis thrown at you. I think at this point, center's going up against the Pelicans. You're just going to fade them in most of the cases, especially when they're priced like this. I'm not interested in Towns. As for Boogie, 11,700 for Boog. Um, been killing it this year, clearly averaging 63 points over the last three not sure I'm totally into using him at that price. I could I could see it, and you could use it. I'd prefer Davis, but I, I can see why you would uh, why you would consider Cousins an option. Let's flick that over to DraftKings and see what we've got there. Jim Butler at 71, more appealing on DraftKings, definitely. Towns at 9,000 is also more appealing, but I still lean fade. Love Jeff Teague at 64, Drew at 71, Davis at 11-2, and Boogie at 11-4. They all have value over on DraftKings, as does Etwan Moore at 42. Wigo's at 69, so probably just a little bit too high for Andrew Wiggins over on DraftKings. All right, let's move on to the next game. It's Orlando and Memphis, and probably the game we have the most unknowns about, with Memphis having both Mark Gasol and Mike Conley both listed as questionable. Any absence of either of those guys changes things up a lot. You want to be looking at guys like Tyreek Evans, Mario Chalmers, Brandon Wright, Jarrell Martin, if either Conley or Gasol miss. Um, you're going to have guys like Dylan Brooks, Chandler Parsons, Jim Ennis. Usage is going to have to be absorbed right across the board. So make sure you are a member of Basketball Monster and you can see what those changes would entail by using our what-if scenarios. And of course, when those changes go down, if they are ruled out, you can see how it affects all the um, all the projections for those players. 
We talk point guards in this one. Chalmers at 4,000. It is a tournament play because if Conley misses, he is going to have some large value. As for Conley, he has been struggling with this sore Achilles. His numbers have been okay from a DFS point of view. And at 7,300, I think he is worth looking at as a tournament guy in a nice, nice matchup. Um, he can easily get to 40. But the injury is a level of concern, clearly. Andy Harrison, Shelvin Mack, DJ Augustine, don't really like any of them. At shooting guard, Tyreek at 54, I love that. I think he's strong for cash. He's got massive, massive upside, uh, and it could really open up for him if both Gasol and Conley are out. He could be in for a monster. Love him at 5,400. Terry Ross at 42, always a tournament guy. Small forwards, Dylan Brooks at 3,800. I think Dylan Brooks at 3,800 is going to get you 20 points, and that's fine for cash with a little bit more upside if some of those guys miss. So I think he's okay. Jim Ennis at 39, more of a tournament guy. Well, Chandler Parsons at 38 has been playing pretty well. I think he could have the opportunity for some more usage. You'd have to be pretty ballsy to throw him into cash, but he is someone to look at. John Simmons at 5,000 has been crushing it. I think that um, Simmons at 5,000 is definitely worth a look. I'd be okay with looking at him in cash even. A bit more hesitant in cash, but I would look at him. He's been getting some extra minutes. They've been playing some no point guard lineups to get him and Ross on the floor together alongside Evan Fournier. So that is an interesting scenario. Fournier is at 7,300, and that's just too high for me. At power for Jarrell Martin, 4,400. If Conley's out, he gets a significant boost. I wouldn't use him otherwise. Not Conley if Gasol's out, sorry. Well, big as a Gordon, 7,600. If Gasol's in, I think he's a fade. If Gasol's out, I'm all over uh, as Gordon at 7,600. I don't think John Isaac's worth looking at. At center, Gasol at 8,500. I really, really like it if he plays. I think he's got 40-point upside. And Vucevic, much like Azza, I would fade him if Gasol is in. If Gasol is out, I'm all over that. That's a 40-point one ready to happen if Marcus Gasol happens to miss. Bismack Biombo is nothing. Brandon Wright's a guy we look at, of course, if Gasol is out. He's at 3,200, and then he becomes that really ideal cheap center option. On DraftKings, we've got the value there for Brooks again. Conley at 68 and Gasol at 76. I like Vooch at 7,000. I think Vooch at 7,000 strong even if Gasol plays. It is brilliant if Gasol is out. Jarrell Martin, Mario Chalmers, and Az Gordon, both or all of those guys with some really good pricing. Chandler Parsons at 34 is interesting. While Tyreek, not quite as appealing on DraftKings as he is on Fangio. He's at 5,300, but he's been crushing it lately with that. And if one of those guys is out, I would smash the shit out of Tyreek Evans there. Evan Fournier, a much more appealing 6,600, and I would consider using him on DraftKings, and I wouldn't do it necessarily on Fangio. All right, we're getting to the end of these games. We have got three more to go through. It The first one is Portland and Utah. The Jazz are favored by four. The total is 196 points. Noah Vonley will make his season debut in this game, so that cuts some of the value maybe of Yusuf Nurkic, maybe of Ed Davis, maybe of El Farouk Aminu as well. Uh, Joe Johnson is out for the Jazz for the next two weeks, so some minutes can be picked up by Tabo Cephalosha, and that might in turn enable Don Mitchell to get some extra playing time, or maybe Jonas Yurepko comes into the rotation. They're not going to be big influences in DFS, though. At point guard, ravishing Rick Rubio, 7,900. Um, yeah, he's been killing it. I think that there, look, that, that salary is probably just a little bit too high for Rick. He did have 40 in the last game, but it's probably just a bit high, and I'll likely fade that. I'm also going to fade Dame Lillard. When he's got Rubio on him, he's on 9,300. I just don't think that's an ideal scenario for uh, for Dame at shooting guard, you've got Rocket Rod. Yeah, try again. Rocket Rodney Hood, five thousand three hundred, has been putting up some really good numbers. I still don't have full confidence in him, so he's more of a tournament sort of a player. 
CJ is at 7,500, and this is not the game to expect him to get his bounce back on um, really tough against the Jazz in a low-paced matchup. Pat Connaughton putting up some okay numbers or getting some okay minutes. He's at $3,000. You could do worse than putting him into a tournament and getting a low-owned guy that could pop off for 20 or 23. Don Mitchell, Alec Burks, eh, not much for me to, to like there. Tarbo is at 3,300. I actually like Tarbo at 33. Some extra minutes for him there. We saw him have that weird double-double not too long ago, and he could really be a tournament factor. You could even consider him cash, I think, as well. Jinglin Joe at 5,400, like that for cash, while Mo Harkless at 46. That's just not working for me. At power forward, Derek Favors at 5,600. Yeah, maybe an extra minute or so with Joe Johnson out, but I'm not really interested in Derek. While Aminu at 5,600, the return of Vonley does lower his upside, so I'm not really keen there. At, I'm not going to be using Vonley in his first game back, clearly. At center, Yusuf Nurkic, 6,700. Been really disappointing, averaging just 24 over the last three. In a tournament, yeah, sure, but it's Rudy Gobert, so that's a real concern, and it does take him away from being a, an awesomely useful player. Gobert was fantastic in his last one, putting up 61 points. He is at 8,700, probably more of a tournament-type guy, um, just given the price rise, but he is obviously Rudy Gobert, and he can have some value um, when he gets those blocks going. It's uh, It's really, really good. Nurkic on DraftKings, 5,800. I like that. I like Rocket. I like Gobert at 8,000 on DraftKings a lot more. I like Lillard at 82 for a tournament only. Much, much cheaper. Jinglin Joe, Ravishing Rick. Uh, Ingles is a cash guy there. Ruby, I think, can be used in both at a cheaper 7,200 price tag. CJ McCollum at 68. I'd still probably fade him just given the matchup, but his salary's come down significantly. And that could lead him to have some value over on DraftKings. I won't be looking at Evan Turner or Aminu uh, on a, from a DraftKings point of view. All right, let's move on to the next game. It is the Toronto Raptors. They are taking on the Denver Nuggets. We don't know the status of Serge Barker or Jonas Valanciunas, but they've both been labeled as probable. So if they both play... Your Pascal Siakam and your Baber Noguera, they probably won't be in the rotation as they weren't at the start of the season when both of those guys were healthy. So just be aware of that. If we hear that Valanciunas or Ibaka is out, then you're going to have Siakam and Bebe both having a, a chance at getting some value. But I wouldn't be getting too excited about using them here, given the fact that those two guys are likely back. At point guard, the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, 5,200. A decent game from him in the last one. Shit matchup. A fade for me, more of a tournament guy, but but not a strong one. Kyle Lowry at 75, in on that. I think that's cash. I think it's tournament. I, I do really like Kyle there. DeLon Wright has dropped off a little bit, while Manny Moutier at 39. I think Moutier is fine at 39. The numbers have been good. I think he's got some upside. I think he's even got some cash reliability if you need to go cheap. At shooting guard, Gaz Harris at 58. Nice, Gary! Um... Yeah, not bad. Getting 32 a game over the last three. Seems to have found his uh, found his niche again. Yeah, I, I think that's fine for cash for Gaza. Farton Will Barton at 52. Only played 24 minutes, but put up 27 points, which is some okay value. Probably more a tournament guy. Well, DeMar DeRozan at 81. I think that DeRozan, you're getting 40 for him. Feels like it's almost an every night occurrence, so that's okay for cash. Norm Powell, no thanks. At Small Fort, OG Ananobi is at 3,100. Put up 14 points in the last game. Looks really good on the court. The numbers aren't quite there, but he does have that tournament upside to go for 22 or 23, given his um, defensive abilities. Not strong on him. Same with Baby Neck, though. And uh, Baby Neck at 4,900. That is Wilson Chandler. Not interested in him. CJ Miles, uh, 3,500. It does make him interesting if he can knock down seven triples, which he can do. That does give him tournament upside, but it's not high priority. 
at power forward. Paulie Millsap is at 7,100. He actually rose $500 in value. I don't really understand that. That's a fade there. While Serge at 5,300. I think Serge at 5,300 is a decent price, assuming he plays. The centers, Plumley Mason, $4,000. No. Nikola Jokic, $9,000. I think Jokic is a, is a fade here at $9,000, a little bit too high. Valanciunas at 58. I just don't know what we're going to expect from him. Bebe gets the boost as a Siakam if these guys are out, but if they play, then there's no use in using them or Jakob Pertl. Let's check out how that all looks over on DraftKings as well. Valanciunas is really cheap at 4,900, so I might throw him into a tournament. I like Gaz Harris at 54. Jokic is a more appealing at 87. Baby Neck at 47, I don't really feel that. Paulie Millsap at 67, not loving it. The Blue Arrow is a tournament guy, while Kyle Lowry at 77 and DeRozan at 79, I think they're cash and tournament sort of guys over on DraftKings. Let's go to the last game, game 12 on this busy, busy Wednesday. It's the Dallas Mavericks. It's the Los Angeles Clippers. It's the DeAndre Jordan Bowl. The Clippers are favored by nine, and the total is 204.5. Dennis Smith is listed as questionable with his knee effusion issues, so that gives us some opportunities in tournaments to open up some other guys. J.J. Barea at 42 is the number one guy that comes to mind. He could really have himself a 25, 27-point night, so he would be a tournament option. Pat Beverly at 57, I think, is is decently strong, regardless of Smith's status, and Dennis Smith at 5,700. Well, with Pat Beverly guarding him with his shooting way off with his knee sore. I'm not interested in him at 5,700. At shooting guard, Austin Rivers at 49. The numbers for him have been okay. Um, I don't think there's much upside, but in cash, you could do worse, but you could probably do better. Lou Williams at 46. I think that's a strong fade. Wes Matthews, Yogi Ferrell. Ferrell, if Smith is out, would have appeal, but he's been really limited in the last two of the last three games, so not a strong option. Small forward, the Rooster, 6,100, Danilo Gallinari. Um, I think that's a really high upside tournament guy, while the Pencil Harrison Barnes at 5,800 is a high floor cash guy without having much tournament upside. At power forward, we've got Blakey Griffin at 9,100. Could really destroy the Mavs with Blake or even Dirk potentially switching onto him. I, I like Blake at 9,100. Um, Dirk at 51. Yeah, I think I'm going to fade Dirk here. Same with Dwight Powell. At center, DeAndre Jordan, 7,500. I'm in on that. I think 35 is almost his floor here. 40-point upside. Love that. Well, Nerland's at 4,200. If you want to throw him into anything, it's a tournament. But shit, he's just the minutes, the effort. Nothing has been there for Noel. So I'd look at him as a tournament guy and a tournament guy only. If we flip it over to DraftKings, DeAndre at 73 is good. The Rooster at 63 is good. Dennis Smith for the questionable tag at 5,300. There's a lot of value there. I would look at him as a tournament guy. Blake is strong at 92. Berea at 44 and Yogi at 4,000, especially if Smith is out, has some value. While uh, Pat Bev at 57, maybe just a touch too high. The Pencil at 5,700 is also a decent play over on DraftKings. Let's go through some options on Yahoo. Jarrett Jack, John Collins, The Baptist, Johnny Henson, The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, Tyson Chandler, and Bogdan Bogdanovich are all really, really cheaply priced over on Yahoo. Courtney Lee, Marco Bellinelli also in play, as is Tyreek, Sabonis, Rocket Rodney, and Austin Rivers. I like Kid Gilchrist, Etwan Moore, Jarrell Martin, Mario Chalmers, and Tyler Eulis on Yahoo also, along with Brogo, The Blue Arrow, Thon McCurr, and Joe Ingles. Want to go to the higher end players? I think DeAndre Jordan's a strong play at $33. I think Gobert at 38 is good. And Embiid at 36 is also a strong option. John Wall, Jokic, and Yanni, and Tone Davis, the pick of the really expensive guys over on Yahoo. On Moneyball, 
Henson, Muscala, and Jack are almost no-brainer must-play guys. I like Timmy Hardaway at 43. Sabonis at 49 is great. Justin Holiday at 53 is a strong play, as is TJ McConnell at 49. I like Gobert, the Rooster, Rocket, Thon. Um, they're all interesting. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, DeAndre Jordan, Joel Embiid, the Baptist, and Ennis Cantor with Bob Cove and Yusuf Nurkic's tournament plays. Really like Tyreek over on Moneyball as well. On draft stars, we've got Jarrett Jack and John Henson, almost no-brainers. TJ McConnell in a similar boat with Jarrell Martin there too. Muscala, Mike James at 58 is a really strong play on draft stars. Sabonis, um, the Rooster, Austin Rivers, some value in all those guys. I like Bender, I like Rose, a ton on draft stars. DeAndre Jordan, Malcolm Brogdon, Lowry Markinen. Dion Waiters and Malik Monk are tournament guys along with Rocket and Bob Cove, while Jingle and Joe and Rudy, I think, are pretty decent cash plays. Jokic and Wall are in play on Draft Stars as well, as is LeBron, Yanni, and Jim Harden, and Tone Davis. That brings to the end today's podcast. I might actually check if that last game has finished. It has just finished. The Lakers game um, taking on the... the um, who they take on? Taking on the Detroit Pistons. The game has just ended, so I'm just going to have a look at that game if there's anything worth really talking about. In that game, Reggie Jackson was strong. Toby Harris was strong again. It, it, a lot of more of the same here from the, from the Pistons, but Reggie Jackson really starting to look like his old self with some of these numbers. Brandon Ingram put up a very, very good line for the Lakers. Larry Nance had a big double-double in 27 minutes. Lonzo Ball was okay. And Brooke Lopez, just 21 minutes. It's getting really dire for Brooke Lopez owners. I'm not dropping yet, but it's getting pretty bloody close to that. Jordan Clarkson, only 21 minutes, and that's going to be the concern with him as we move forward. But a big, big win for the Lakers, 20 points over the Detroit Pistons. If you are watching this on YouTube, hopefully the buzzing that was on yesterday's video is uh, has been solved. I, I don't know where that came from yesterday. Hopefully that is gone. Leave a thumbs up and a subscribe and a comment. It would be great if you can do that. If you're listening audio and you're on Apple Podcasts, give it a review. Five stars is the best way to help support the show. And of course, you can support the show by checking out today's sponsor, which is Draft. Download that app and enter the promo code LOFANTASY. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher as well. And check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Nate McMillan on DeMontis Sabonis.